Good morning. Oh, it's so nice to hear people say it back. It's been a little while since I've been able to preach here with people in the room. And can I just say I am so excited for today. Um, I think God has already moved really powerfully and you've probably felt that as well. Um, but I'd love if you could join me. I just want to affirm the worship team for leading us out this morning. So we're just going to give them a round of applause. I just love singing with people. Um, it's so powerful just to hear other people's voices and to remember that, you know, even throughout the past five months that we've been through, we're coming out the other side now and it's becoming more clear that we were never alone throughout all of that, but that as a community, we can come back together, we can worship together and it's so awesome to be a part of that. I also want to welcome everyone that's joined us on the live stream. Um, it is great to have you with us and I'm wondering if those of us here can actually give them a round of applause as well because we are one home but with many rooms. So welcome, guys. It is so good to have you joining us for church today. Um, if you are joining for the first time um, or you're visiting today, then uh, you've picked a great day to come because we are in our second week of a brand new series, which, as the sermon bumper outlined, is called Thrive. And it's all about this idea that God is interested in more than just our survival, but God has given us instructions and directions in His Word to show us what it looks like for us to thrive, no matter what the circumstance, no matter, no matter what the challenges we face, God wants the best for us. And Mike launched this series last week so beautifully by unpacking um, John chapter 15, which in there has a story um, or that Jesus shares and he talks about how he is the vine, Jesus is the vine, and we are like the branches and how we need to remain connected to him. We need to remain in his love, be connected to his love. And that's why I brought a vine along with me today to kind of paint a bit more of a visual picture of that. And we're going to continue talking about John 15 again in a moment. But before that, I have a little story. And to preface this story, I like to think of myself as a relatively emotionally stable person. Right? I like to think that, you know, I don't usually get too worked up. But a few months ago, before the lockdown hit, I was watching God's team, the Portland Trailblazers in the NBA... And they were versing the Utah Jazz. That was just a joke, by the way. Sorry, it's okay. <laughs> they, are, they, are, they are my team, though. So the Portland Trailblazers versing the Utah Jazz. And my team was behind by like 10 or 15 points in the fourth quarter. And I was like, man, if we can win this, it'll be huge for the context of our season. Because to make the playoffs, you have to make the top eight in your conference. And Portland was, in, at that point in the season, was sitting in ninth position. And they were a few games behind eighth. And so they were in what we call the playoff race. Right, they were, There's about 82 or, I don't know, 30,000 games in the NBA season, so it was a long way to go, but as they were working through, Portland needed every win they could get. And if they could beat Utah at home, which is one of the hardest games in the whole league, that would be huge in the context of their season. But we're 15 points down in the fourth quarter. But slowly but surely, my boys, they start bringing it back. Sink a couple of threes, a couple of hard drives, get in there gets to about 13 seconds to go in the game. And my main man, Damian Lillard, has the ball. And you can just see it in his eyes, something's about to happen. He's dribbling at the top of the key. Gets to about five seconds to go. He starts to drive in and he goes up. And at this point, there's a rule you have to know about in NBA. Because all of them are like 15 feet tall, they have this rule where if you go for a lap and it hits the backboard, you can't block it afterwards. Otherwise, it's called goaltending, right? And so Damon Lillard goes up, ball hits the backboard, and it's going to go in. And then this guy called Rudy Gobert swats it off the backboard, 
right? So technically, it's a goaltending. And I'm just elated because they were down by one point at this point. And so if, if this goes in, they've won. And I, like, I get up and I start jumping around because I was like, yes, it was goaltending, we won. Then no whistle goes. Utah get the rebound and the game's over. Portland lose. And I went from being elated to absolutely deflated like that. For the rest of that day, I was just angry. I was, <laughs> I was like going to my classes and I was just hardly even paying attention. I was just frustrated. My mates were like, what's going on? I was like, you wouldn't understand. <laughs> you don't know. And like for the rest of that week, I would think back to that moment. I'd just get angry. Even preparing the sermon this week, I was like thinking of that story and I was like, man, <laughs> it's still so frustrating. I think I'm over it now. I don't know. <laughs> but have, have you ever been through an experience where it's like, you feel like things are going really well, you feel really good, and then something goes wrong? It might be something like that that's out of your control. It might be something even smaller or greater. But all of a sudden, your happiness just disappears like that. Have you been through something like that? I think it's something every single one of us face at some point. I don't know, for me, like, I long for something deeper than that. I long for a deeper sense of happiness that's going to endure through the ups and downs of life. And that deeper sense of happiness is what we call joy. It's possible to, to live in that joy through the ups and downs, through every season. And Jesus talks about that joy. And in the story of the Bible, we learn about how we are to walk in and live in that joy. So let's pray. Dear Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we can unpack it today. I just pray that you'll rid me of myself now, that you will speak through me and give every single one of us receptive hearts to what you're saying. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we're going to continue where we left off last week, John chapter 15. We'll give a bit of a recap before we get started. So if you have a Bible, I invite you to open to the book of John, chapter 15. If you have your phones, John chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, it's all good. It will be on the Sky Bible behind me here. And it will also be on the screen for those tuning in live. But John chapter 15 is where we're going to kick off today. And we'll start in verse 1. Jesus is speaking to his followers here and he says... I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. As Mike unpacked last week, other translations, and probably more accurately, um, will say that I am the vine dresser, right? I am the vine dresser. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. When I was growing up, I used to be really afraid of verse 2, because I was like, he cuts off those that don't bear fruit. I've got to make sure I'm bearing fruit. I've got to make sure that like, I'm living out those, those fruits of the Spirit that we're going to be unpacking in a moment. I've got to make sure that I'm really loving, that I'm really peaceful, that I'm patient, that I've got self-control. Because if I don't, I'm going to get cut off. That's what I thought, right? But as Mike unpacked last week, the role of the vine dresser, he's not prowling around looking for the branch to, to nip off straight away. No, the goal of the vine dresser is to see the vines bear fruit. Like that's a win for the vine, vine dresser. It's to see the vines growing and thriving and bearing fruit. And one of the ways the vine dresser does this is by raising up the vines so that they don't grow taproots and try and get their own sustenance from the ground. 
because the tap roots don't actually give the vine enough substance for it to bear fruit by itself. There's not enough nutrients from the tap roots for the vine to bear fruit. And another role of the vine dresser, which I'm hopefully going to demonstrate today, is they'll actually trim, right? They will trim these tap roots so they don't grow any longer. So I don't know if you can see that on the live stream, but I'm going to try and find a long one. Here's a longer one here. They'll trim the tap roots. And what that does is it ensures that even if the vine does fall closer to the ground once again, that it's not going to be relying on itself to be its source of nutrients and sustenance. Because if it did, it wouldn't be able to bear fruit at all. That tells us some really interesting stuff about God, doesn't it? That when it comes to bearing fruit, when it comes to remaining in Him, God is not in the business of going out of His way to remove you from Himself. No, God is in the business of shaping us and molding us, keeping us connected to Jesus. God wants to help us to bear fruit. And so we keep reading John chapter 15, verse 4. Jesus says, Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. And then we'll jump down to verse 11. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. You want to experience joy in your life? It starts with getting connected with Jesus. It starts with forming and growing a relationship with Jesus. We need to realize that the joy that we're going to experience is not our own. It's not dependent on us. It's not up to us to try and work our way through, but it's actually the joy of the Lord. You want to experience joy, you need to get connected with Jesus. You might be thinking, okay, well, that's all great, but... What about like, you know, I've been a Christian for some time and I experience, you know, I still experience fear or I still, I still experience doubt or I still struggle with this sin or I'm still wrestling with this particular part of my life. You know, I've, 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 I believe that, you know, I believe in Jesus, but I'm still like experiencing those like aftershocks or that carryover stuff in my life that reflects the old me, right? And it's start, kind of starting to steal my joy a little bit. Well, Paul actually speaks into that space specifically. So why don't you turn to the book of Galatians. We're going to go to Galatians chapter 5. Because here Paul speaks into that very space. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says this. Paul writes, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. If we want to experience joy in our lives, we have to recognize that as human beings, without God, we are broken. That we actually, we're we're, we're broken people, we make mistakes, we're flawed, we're bent towards sin. And that can be a a difficult thing for us to grapple with and realize and accept. Because the world around us always says, oh, you're you're not that bad. You're good. You're a good person. You do good things. 
you're not that bad. But the Bible kind of challenges that notion and suggests, no, without God, you're actually helpless. But without God, you're not going to experience the fullness and abundance of life that I have in store for you. Without God, you cannot thrive. Now, I want to be really clear here because um, it can be easy to think, well, does that mean that like, my value is really low because I'm a sinful, broken person? Well, no, your, your value is not dependent on what you do or how you live your life. Your value, in God's eyes, is completely re- reliant on the truth that he created you, that you are his child, that his love for you isn't going to be removed by, or, or added onto by any good or bad thing that you do. You are God's masterpiece. But that doesn't change the fact that we're still broken people and we still completely and utterly need Jesus. It says there in verse 17 that like the spirit and the, and the flesh is what other translations will use. They're constantly like fighting against each other, right? They're constantly like at war with each other. And this war that's going on inside of you, you cannot win on your own. But we have a promise of the Holy Spirit. And if you're wondering, okay, how do I receive the Holy Spirit? All you have to do is ask. Elsewhere in Scripture, Jesus says that if you earthly parents know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? The vine dresser, God, he's interested in seeing you thrive. He wants the best for you. He wants you to experience these fruit that we're about to read. But we can't do it on our own. For as long as we fail to realize our own brokenness, we miss the magnitude of God's love. If if we fail to recognize that we are broken, sinful people, we don't recognize how great God's love actually is and how great a gift salvation in Jesus is, right? What makes the good news good news is that Jesus died for the broken version of you. He died for that sinful version of you. Jesus died for that that version of you that didn't love him, that didn't even know him, right? And that is why God's grace is so profound and it's so beautiful. Because the grace of God came before. The grace of God came before you first believed. It's the grace of God that's going to sustain you. It's the grace of God that saves you. And so I invite you, if you haven't accepted it today, to accept Jesus, your personal Savior. To say, yeah, I believe in you. I want to accept that. I want to experience a relationship with God. And what can you expect from that? Well, let's keep reading. Let's get down to verse 22. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. This is what it means to thrive. It's to live a life full of these things. Live a life full of love. To live a life full of joy, of peace, and of everything else in that list, right?
But sometimes we focus on the fruit and we forget to focus on the actual core of the problem, which is the fact that we are broken people and we need a savior. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that these good things can come out of us. But it all centers on having a relationship with Jesus and asking for the Holy Spirit to fill you, to work in you, to shape you, to mold you, to change you, to grow you into who God wants you to be. And if you want this and you want to know how to do this, we'll keep reading. Verse 24 of Galatians 5 says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have now the sinful passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. You might be wondering if you belong to Christ Jesus, right? And I can guarantee you that if you want a safe and secure place to belong, then the safest and most secure place to find that is within the arms of the Father. Jesus says in the, book of, in the book of John about all these things that cannot separate you from the love of God. You want a safe and secure place to find belonging and to find acceptance? You can find it in the love of Jesus. You can find it by remaining connected to the vine. You want to experience a secure place to experience joy. You can find that in Jesus and being and remaining connected to him. So you belong to Christ, right? And those who belong to Christ, what does it say? Have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. My translation says it slightly differently. It says, have nailed their sinful passions and desires to his cross and crucified them there. And that's a pretty graphic image to think about because Jesus hung on that cross and he was held there by nails, right? Jesus was held up on that cross. But as the thief beside him correctly pointed out, he said, you are the savior, right? Save yourself and us too. It wasn't the nails that was holding Jesus on that cross. It was his love for you. It was his desire to see you come to realize who God is and develop a relationship with him. No, what held Jesus on that cross was not those nails. It was your sin. It was my sin. And Jesus' desire to see that sin overcome and to see you given the opportunity to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Jesus has actually defeated sin. He's defeated the sin in your life and my life. And he invites us into this abiding relationship where we remain in the vine and we experience, we accept, we claim the victory and the power of Jesus over our lives. And it takes time for us to develop and to grow and to practice. But when we do that, what we start to experience is those fruits we mentioned before. We start to experience love. We start to experience more joy, more peace. Right? Those, those fruits of walking with the Spirit start to become more and more evident in our lives. Verse 25 of Galatians 5 says, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. You know, once, once you're saved, once you accept Jesus, you'll probably notice that there are still some parts of your life that need healing that need restoring. There are still some parts that are a little bit broken and you need God's help to, to deal with, right? And that's because once you know God and accept him, 
God is interested in you finding freedom. He's interested in you coming to a deeper realization of what he wants to do in your life. Following Jesus isn't just about your eternal destiny, but it's about how you exist in the world today. Jesus wants you to experience freedom. He wants you to experience the joy that comes with freedom. And he wants to be a part of your whole life. He wants to be a part of, of everything that has caused pain, everything that, is, that has challenged you. He wants to be a part of every high point, every low point. He wants to be a part of all of it. And that, that, there, that there is called submission, right? It's called submitting to God, to saying, God, nothing is off the table. I'm not holding anything back from you working in it. Lord, I give you all of me. I give you everything, right? And when we do that, we are able to more deeply abide in Jesus. We're able to hang on to him in a new way because he is a part of every single part of our life, every relationship, every conversation, every decision. I invite you to invite the Holy Spirit into every part of your lives. But Paul actually gives a couple of warnings, right, at the end of this passage. He says, hey, if you want to experience joy, there's a couple of things you've got to remember, right? There's a couple of things that you've got to watch out for particularly when it comes to walking with the Holy Spirit. That's verse 26. It says, Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Well, what does conceited mean? It means like being boastful, being like proud. Let us not become conceited when we see the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives, when others start to see it in our lives, right? Let us not start growing those tap roots and think that we're doing it by ourselves, let us recognize that it is God alone that is our source of sustenance, that is our source of life, that ultimately joy comes from Him. Let us not become conceited. Let us not be jealous. Right? Let, us, let us not look at others and see what God's doing in their life and think that because He's working in this way in their life that, he, that I'm missing out. That, that God working in their life is at my expense because that's not the case at all. Let us not become jealous of one another. Let us not want what other people have. Let us want only Jesus. Because when we're abiding in Jesus, and only when we're abiding in Jesus, are we going to be able to experience meaningful and ongoing joy. May your focus always be on Jesus. So as I conclude today's message, I want to give out a couple of, of challenges, a couple of opportunities. Firstly, if you do not currently follow Jesus, but you'd like to do that, I want to extend to you an opportunity to do that. To, to accept over your life, yeah, I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I want to follow Jesus. I want to give it a shot. I want to extend to you an opportunity to do that. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a while, but you're, you're struggling with some sin or you're struggling with a particular relationship or you've still got challenges or habits or addictions in your life that you want to deal with. If that's you, then I want to invite you to ask for the Holy Spirit, to ask for the Holy Spirit to come in. And I want to invite you to join a life group because God gives us the gift of community to help each other, to help to bring healing to each other. 
Right? If we ask for forgiveness from our sins, then we're forgiven in the name of Jesus. Right? But God gives us the gift of community to, 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 to usher in that healing and that restoration. I invite you to ask for the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're, you're struggling with one of those things that were just at the end there, like being conceited or looking at what God's doing in other people's lives and being jealous. If you fall into that boat, then I invite you to just release, to take your eyes off the things that God is doing in other people's lives and to focus on your personal relationship with Jesus. And I invite you to, to, to press like reset today, right? To be filled with the Spirit anew, to try and abide in Jesus anew today. If you want to accept any of those challenges, then I invite you just to raise your hand with me as I pray, right? I want to accept that over my life, right? Jealousy is something that I'm trying to overcome, right? Comparison is something that I'm constantly trying to overcome. And so I invite you, wherever you find yourself, to make a commitment to one of those things today. This is just a personal decision between you and God. And the reason I ask you to put your hand up is because I think when we make a decision and like we act on it, it does something on the inside that makes it more real, right? This is a decision between you and God. And I'm praising God for these decisions that are being made this morning. I'm so excited to see what God's going to do in your life and through you guys in the coming weeks. Last chance, if you want to raise your hand now as I pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the love that you have for us, for all that you've done for us in Jesus, for giving us salvation. Lord, I praise you for those that have made a decision to accept you and follow you today. I also praise you for those that have decided that they want to receive the Holy Spirit in their lives. And I praise you for those that want to press reset and renew their focus on you and renew their relationship with you today, God. Lord, you see every hand raised here and you know every decision that's been made. And Lord, I pray that this decision might not be reserved to Saturday morning, but it might carry over to our Monday, to our Tuesday, to our Wednesday, that the way we live our lives might change because we're living it with you. Lord, I thank you again for your goodness and for your grace. We give you the honor and the glory and the praise. In the name of Jesus, amen.